be here. Get out of here now! What? It's almost night. Leave before it gets dark. They're lighting the lamps. Get out of here! You've got to get across the river. Go! I'll distract them! We interrupt this program to bring you... Alright everybody, my name is Kevin. And I'm John. And I'm Adam. And I'm Julie. And we are the Real Movie Guys. Ladies and gentlemen, it's May, so it's time for Real Anime. Real Anime is a special event where we take a look at all your favorite anime films. This month we're taking a look at Studio Ghibli, one of the greatest anime studios to ever walk this earth. Today, we're taking a look at Spirited Away. During her family's move to the suburbs, a sullen 10-year-old girl wanders into a world ruled by gods, witches, and spirits, and where humans are changed into beasts. Okay, guys, Spirited Away is probably, I would argue, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, it's probably one of the most iconic anime films to like come over here into the West, especially during that era of like the 2000s. I would even make the argument to say that without Spirited Away, I don't know how popular anime would be today. Uh, Spirited Away kind of like brought over that that like award-winning, you know, um, appreciation that we have because it was actually nominated for best animated picture and won best animated picture for that year, uh, which I think is crazy in and of itself that it was able to make that accomplishment. But I remember actually going to the theater and seeing Spirited Away, and up until then, I was kind of more related to anime with like your typical Dragon Ball, like your your shonen style animes. That was my experience. Once I saw Spirited Away, even as a person who viewed movies, I had such a crazy appreciation for this film. Uh, you know, for the most part, like most of us, I would say, I was mostly like experienced like the Western style of Disney animation. And when you hear the word Disney and Pixar, that's who you assume is like the pinnacle of animation. But then comes this little movie called Spirited Away from Studio Ghibli, and it blew my mind. And ever since then, I think I've never looked back and I've been able to see other studios like Ghibli and other studios even across the world bring out these features but Spirit Away it holds a special place in my heart so I don't know if that's going to contribute some bias to this movie uh, we're going to have a conversation I'm ready to have but I just want to go around and get some of your guys initial thoughts and then we'll discuss the movie obviously further Adam let's start with you what, what did you what do you think of Spirited Away first time viewing multi-time where are you at with this one this is actually my second time seeing this. Okay. So, uh, right. The first time was a very long time ago. Uh, probably close to when it came over here, honestly. Right. Um, it was definitely... It, it's good. I really liked this one a lot. Um, I don't know if it held up as good as when I originally saw it. I mean, maybe I understood things a lot better this time right. around. Because, you know, obviously I'm a little bit older. But um, it was good. I liked it. Yeah, I think there's a discussion that we're definitely going to have about themings and understanding what this movie's trying to talk about. But yeah, I think I kind of agree with you. The older I've become, I think I've appreciated this movie even more so, especially with what the themes the movie's trying to convey, uh, which might get lost on a younger viewer. But again, we'll talk about that a little bit. John, what's going on, man? I, I know you had a rough time a little bit. Uh, this is like your fourth one in now. Uh, you didn't like the cat and Kiki's. You were very upset about it. Uh, Porco Rosso, you thought it was, but overall, it seems like you're having a good time. I think. 
How about you? Spirited Away is a pretty big landmark film. Uh, John Lasseter from Pixar has even gone on record, and this was kind of his ushering in of anime into the West. Like, he was very behind this movie. What do you think of this movie? Do you think it deserves all the accolades and Best Picture awards that it's won? I mean, I think I could see how it's won a lot of awards and stuff. And after watching it, it was a relatively enjoyable film. It was weird, though, because... When I first heard the name of this movie, mm-hmm. I got confused with, like, I think the spirit or something other. I thought it was, like, all about some magical-ass horse or something. And <laughs> that movie with the horse? Completely different. Yeah. <laughs> it's I called Spirit. Like, I know. I thought the horse's name was Spirit or some shit. I was like, what the fuck? Keep in mind, it's ladies and music. gentlemen, John doesn't, like, look at these movies at all before. He just kind of goes by the title and goes, you know, to watch whatever we tell him to. So, all right. I, I can understand it. You know, I'll give you I'll give you a little bit there. I'll give you a little bit. Yeah, but overall, the movie was, I would say it was enjoyable. Okay. So you had a decent time with it, you think? Yeah. Okay. All right. Very cool. Julie, how about you? What did you think? Um, I definitely had a very similar experience with Adam when we first watched it many years ago. I feel like a lot of the stuff went over my head um, because during this rewatch, you know, there were things I noticed that I definitely didn't notice the first time around. But I really do like this movie a lot. Um, I love the magic in this world and this story um, and how it's not always a positive thing. Um, But overall, it was a really great movie. Yeah, the themes, I think, are really what makes this movie uh, stand separate from other Miyazaki films. And I actually want to kind of get into my pseudo negative right away. And then trust me, it's going to be mostly positive this review. But there's one thing I, I kind of found out while I was doing a little bit of investigation just to, you know, research for our discussion. So Miyazaki, I guess, overall, when he creates something, he has a tendency to not write a script for a movie. What he does is he storyboards the entire movie, and in his own words, he says, I like to storyboard and I let the story take me in the direction I want to go, and that's kind of how the story goes. Uh, I think we can kind of argue that we've seen that with a lot of his movies. Totoro's a really good example where it's just, it seems like events kind of just happen, and we get to the end of the movie. Kiki's was very much like that, Porco Rosso. Uh, uh, we didn't actually watch, I think... Um, Princess Mononoke, we didn't review that movie. That's a little bit different. I think that one is a little more like pinpoint focused with its plot. But this movie in particular, I don't know if I felt like that was a super positive thing for this movie. Because there are times where I think it really does work as far as uh, Sen's journey throughout this movie. Uh, Sen, who is also uh, Chihiro. She has two names, which is very interesting. I like that concept, which we'll talk about too. But this movie... It has a lot of that Wizard of Oz inspiration in this movie. That and Alice in Wonderland, you see a lot of those kind of ties into this movie. Uh, But I feel like some of the plot points kind of do get lost a little bit along the way or things kind of just happen randomly. Uh, I know this is super early, but spoilers for a 2001 movie here. Uh, Once we learn who Haku is towards the end of the movie... Uh, He's the dragon, and he's the boy who's been helping Chihiro throughout the entire movie. We find out he's a random river spirit that saved her when she was really young. Uh, That was kind of a letdown of a reveal for me once I kind of saw there was no precog setup for that kind of revelation to happen later in the movie. Uh, How did you guys feel about that? Adam, did you think that was kind of random? I don't really remember it being so random as it was this time. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely don't remember it coming out just so abruptly like bleh. 
there it is. <laughs> right. And there was no, like, she wasn't afraid. Like, I don't know. I mean, even Julie and I were discussing, like, maybe she could have been afraid of water. There could have been kind of some kind of setup for that reveal. But it kind of just happens. And I feel like maybe that's one of the weaknesses of Miyazaki's writing, or, or lack there of writing, actually, I would say. Storyboarding a movie on emotion. Do you see that as maybe a weakness for this movie a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where this movie, I, I think that's where it kind of steps down a little bit more for me. Um, like as a kid, I feel like I would be able to enjoy those parts a little bit more. Right. But now as I'm, I guess, peeling apart the layers of a movie more and, you know, understanding uh, metaphors and whatnot, I think that's where it does lose a little bit more of a, uh, you know, I guess it's description or any kind of things is trying to properly convey. Yeah, and it's very unbalanced that way too. Like the towards I would say the middle of the movie is most of like the, the action quote unquote orientated scenes. And by the time you get to the end of the movie, it's kinda like, Oh, you know, we're just kinda towards the end here. Like you expect the cli like the rising action, falling action in a typical story is set in a certain way, but Miyazaki tries to like go around that and do it his own path, which again I think comes from this kind of fly by the seat of your pants storytelling where, you know, as it happens, I'm gonna tell you what happens. And then by the end I feel like it just kinda ends with like a not not flat, but just kinda ends kinda like light. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh I'm not saying it was a letdown, but I mean especially compared to the other uh, movies that we've already reviewed here now it, it has a very similar feel to just kind of like all right it's time to end it <laughs> right but but the irony is i would say with the, with this whole storytelling that miyazaki did you know kind of is reinforcing in this movie this movie had the most uh, formulated ending out of all the movies we've seen so far from miyazaki where it actually was kind of an ending you know like yes a, I, I agree. It, it's definitely more of a uh, satisfying ending. Like there was, I think everything got resolved that I wanted to see get resolved. Right. The lesson was learned. Uh, Chihiro right. kind of learned what she needed, the power of names and, you know, all these different things. We're going, we'll, we'll talk about theming a little bit, but I think it really does wrap up the story incredibly well. Uh, Julie, what did you think of the decision there? Did you think that was, do you like the style that he chose? Did it feel a little discombobulated at times? For the most part, for this movie, I really liked it, except for that um, Haku reveal. I feel like that could have been foreshadowed a little bit more, um, even just maybe seeing more, I don't know, There's Haku's an interesting character because there's such a weird like duality with him where he's like really kind and helpful, and then sometimes he'll just like lash out, which seems kind of random at times. Um, but I, I wish there was more hinting. I think earlier in the movie when they first meet, um, Chihiro says something like, oh, you look familiar or maybe Haku. Someone says that to each other. Right. And that's really the only other hint. Um, so I wish, you know, they do those little bit of flashes as Chihiro's realizing who he is, where she's in the water and you see like his body kind of sprint by. There should have been like maybe little hints of that throughout the movie. Like anytime she's near water or when she sees him flying in his dragon form, because that I think would have helped put the pieces together mm. a little more cleanly. Um, but the ending itself though, I think was very well rounded. We didn't like go from like a high action and then like a steep drop down. Um, everything was kind of tied in a nice little bow. You know, I think Chihiro was confident in herself at the close of the movie, um, especially like, you know, when she's has the final test and I love too that, you know, everyone else is in agreement. It's like, this isn't fair. She shouldn't have to do a final test. And she says, she goes, I agree to it. I'll do it. 
and you know she's able to easily you know pass that test and then just you know continue to move on um so I, I liked the ending i was happy with how that resolved the movie as a whole yeah no i could see that perspective i just think so like like we kind of said i think maybe the some of the character interactions even like the yeah. no face to an extent uh no face is a iconic character i think and even people who don't know what spirited away is recognize that character from this movie maybe more so than the main protagonist and haku is the drag like, i think no face is just something that people know what that is even john i'm pretty sure you've seen no face before you've seen that character with the mask like i can't see you not have i don't think i have Oh, well, there you go. Cool. Prove me wrong. All right. Thanks. Live on TV, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah, I think that is an iconic character for the most part. And even his inclusion in the story seems kind of random at times. But, you know, it's also Miyazaki's style, which I do appreciate in some ways because it is kind of this peaceful style that he just wants to tell this story the way he wants. And he lets it flow the way he sees fit. And I, I do respect that to some extent. Now, John, the most interesting person here, I think is going to be you for this question, because a lot of the discourse online for Spirited Away is it's too confusing. And I think that leads to a lot of the negativity. Now, at any point, would you would you make that argument, John? Would you say this movie was too confusing or I would I would even maybe argue even more so not accessible for you because of the Japanese culture? I think it was confusing, but also that. I feel like it's more interesting because it gives you almost a way to say that you want to start looking into the Japanese culture more in a way with the little hidden things that they throw into this movie and just a little nods to certain things. I feel like it makes you more curious than it would make you fall out of love of this movie. Right. Now, would you say, did you feel alienated at all from this movie compared to, say, like Porco Rosso and Kiki's Delivery Service, which had more like European almost like, you know, American stylized animation attributes to it. Would you think, did you feel alienated more from this movie than those? I wouldn't say I felt more alienated. Mm -hmm. It almost more like makes you understand more that there's so much more out there in the world, like different mm -hmm. animation styles and different things going on. That it makes you want to start looking at more stuff than just like what we have here. Kind of like, especially even when you're looking for animation animated Japanese animated movies mm -hmm. in stores and stuff they're never really around here it's more just like the regular Disney animation movies mm -hmm. and these more are acceptable all over the world and you feel like it should be more acceptable here mm -hmm. but we just don't know enough about these which I feel like this movie kind of gives you that brief glimpse of it which I think, I don't know, and I feel this part, it's also a little bit controversial for this movie, is in the dub version of this film, there's actually lines of dialogue that were added in by John Lasseter, who oversaw the project for this, decided that they needed to add clarification to some things. Uh, like, for example, when they see the bathhouse for the first time, and here in the United States, we don't have bathhouses, so we're not really familiar with that cultural part of it. Uh, Shakira will go, oh, it's a, it's a bathhouse. Like, she'll clearly say that, like, off screen. Adam, do you think that takes away from anything? Because I, I know a lot of purists feel that that does, but I think if you're watching a dub version of that movie, I feel like that's kind of important to translate to a viewer to some extent. I don't think it takes away. I think, if anything, it's trying to adapt. Right. You know, for, Which is the point know. of a dub, I would assume, right? It, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, trying to, it's, I guess, catering to a wider audience. Right, I think so. And, you know, I, again, I think those are really good tools. Julie, what do you think of that? 
I even think like personally, I think it adds to it because when she makes that comment, she's just kind of started to explore this like unknown area, this unknown world. And it almost strikes like a sense of familiar familiarity with Chihiro where she's like, oh, it's a bathhouse. And I, you can hear, oh, maybe I'm overanalyzing it, that she's hmm. a sense of like kind of relief or comfort washes over her because I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on, but I can see something that I recognize at least. Right. And I don't, I don't think it hurts the vision. A lot of Miyazaki's work, and I think we've seen this again with everything we've talked about so far to this point, is it's very much visual storytelling. Miyazaki wants the camera camera language to speak for itself we don't need clarification dialogue we don't need like an overdub of someone telling like this is how we got here kind of story like he wants you to look at the through his lens in the camera and determine what the story is for yourself uh by adding these things i don't think it takes away i think it's just that that cultural connection that we need to make in order for you to understand the movie uh the casual viewer like me i know what a bathhouse is i've seen anime i, I know japanese culture to some extent I'm, I'm, i know what that is John's probably like, what the hell is that, right? Do, do you think that clarification was good for you and to some extent where things were maybe given just a smidge more detail for you to understand? Yeah, I think it helps out with the story more and gets you guys less confused of what you're actually seeing and then you can see the beauty of it even more than if they were just left you out hanging. Right, and I think beauty is a very interesting word that you use because this movie is probably one of the most beautiful animated films I've ever seen, I think. And this came out in 2001. And considering everything we've talked about so far, I keep saying it, uh, this movie did not let me down whatsoever. Uh, that hand-drawn style, just from uh, the fact that they can even show, a lot of the time they play with speed in this movie, where characters are moving extremely fast or they're running through hallways. It's all hand-drawn, guys. I just, I think it's phenomenal. Adam, did you have any, like, particular animated sequence that you really liked in this movie? Uh, To me, there's just so many. I think uh, I really liked Haku Mm -hmm. and just all of this, especially the scenes when he was the dragon. I just really like all the details and just the mannerisms that he had. Um, And especially when he was, like, I guess... I guess the water spirit as well. I guess right. the, all the water movements. It was just really beautiful. Yeah. I think it's when he's flying towards the end and they show like his scales, you see like the water flowing yeah. through his body. Like that's hand drawn. Mm-hmm. That's not CGI. That's incredible. That's the, the detail. And, and people wonder why there's so many years in between these movies. We started to see that later on, like where there's so much time in between. That's why they had to draw each of these little cells to come out. And I just think it's, it's phenomenal. You know, I, I really do. This movie, it stands the test of time as far as, and that's why I think Ghibli has such a good reputation as it does. Um, another thing I think I really like in this movie also is the score. Uh, very whimsical, but very also traditional Japanese at times. I think it really like brings the story to life. You know, especially when we're we're seeing these characters in these situations, when there's a tense moment, uh, there's kind of like a turn down, like lack thereof score, and then it raises up with these loud horns and this big celebratory scenes. I I think it's really beautiful throughout this entire movie, uh, near perfection. I I think, and Miyazaki kind of tends to bring that you know going forward, even in his films after this. Um, another thing we we want to talk about here were some of the themes. Uh, the themes in this movie. You really have to, I don't say, I wouldn't say there's surface level themes by any means. I think you can garner some level by just watching the movie. But once you really sit down and think about what this movie's trying to show you, I think it's extremely powerful. And Adam, you brought this up earlier too, uh, especially now as someone who's older and seen more film. 
I think we do have a new appreciation, wouldn't you say, for some of the themes that are in this film? Yeah, because, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you got the blinders on. I'm like, oh, cool, fun animated movie. But now it's like, wow, there's just so much more of a, a depth to what, you know, everybody's trying to explain, you know, Miyazaki's trying to convey with these films, especially like their themes of greed and you know, mm. gluttony and war and stuff like that. Yeah, and war is going to be a big one that we're going to talk about soon. Uh, not necessarily in this one, but something coming up soon, I promise. But I like the one that I think for me, and well, maybe we'll go around and talk about what you guys had some interpretations for. But one for me that I really, really liked in this movie was duality of characters. Like almost every character in this movie, to an extent besides Chihiro, I think there's a shade of gray to their character. And I think that's very interesting for Miyazaki to do because we don't get that in Western movies. John, I know you can even say, for example, like, wouldn't you say most Disney movies are clear, cut, and dry with their characters? Usually, you know who the good guys are, you know who the bad guys are. Uh, did you like that this movie decided to do something different with that, where everyone's kind of good and everyone's got a little bit of bad in them? I think that's really interesting. I think it's more relatable to, like, real life in general. Mm -hmm. Because you can always see that everybody has some kind of good in them, but it doesn't always show out. And then this movie kind of gives you that little glimpse of, like, realistic realism in there right and i think that shows too it's it's based on their their character motivations which i think adds a sense like you said of relatability to it where it, you know just because a character is motivated to do a certain thing it may seem from one perspective that it's bad but it, it doesn't mean they're a bad person and miyazaki does like to play a lot of that within his movies and if you look everything up until this point whenever there is a antagonist in the movie uh we do see that they're they are like a shade of gray right i don't think i don't know if he's just trying to make a commentary that not everyone's necessarily bad i think just maybe your motivations at the time make you bad in that situation uh adam what other themes you like i know greed you brought up was a really good one uh, especially with the no face i thought that was very interesting how they kind of showed that to the forefront i mean even with her parents as well mm -hmm. um like especially when they come in and uh, into the uh, abandoned amusement park and they just start eating and she's like uh what's her name uh chihiro she's yeah. like uh no i, I don't i don't want to do that and they're like oh no come on come on and they just keep eating just eating and then they turn into pigs like that's literally i, I just i really liked that one too right and then like and i think that that's a really good one too especially how they become pigs and that becomes part mm -hmm. of the whole plot of the movie then when we meet the no face later on too all these people working at the bathhouse are like bending at his feet trying to get money from him they know he's no good but oh he's giving us money so who cares like who cares if he's losing his mind and going crazy and you know trying to eat us he's giving us money keep giving us money keep giving us money and he thinks too and that character is interesting too because he reinforces the fact that if i just keep giving you things You'll love me and come to accept me. Uh, but Chihiro is kind of the opposite of that, where she doesn't really want anything from him. She just wants, you know, she'd rather just have his friendship or do what she has to do. She doesn't need items, need things to feel fulfilled. What did you think of that, Julie? Yeah, I love that part. Because even something as, you know, you started with the money and he tries to give Chihiro like a whole mound of gold and she says no. But even before that, when she's trying to get the... um whatever the bath ticket or yeah, whatever bath, yeah, and yeah, um, the bath cards yeah yeah and the guy won't give it to her and then uh no, no face comes and gives her one and then he comes back and gives her like a whole bucket full and she goes no no i just needed the one 
And that's just something that's really interesting to see with her character where she doesn't want more than what she needs, you know, and she's grateful for it too. She said, thank you so much. Um, but like, I'm good. I don't need that. And then it's interesting to see No Face's reaction, especially when, I mean, both times really, he continues to try and push it upon her. And then finally with the gold, he kind of steps back and it's like, oh, and then that's where that kind of not villain term, but that's when he really starts to go off the walls. Right. And his animation is just beyond creepy throughout this entire movie. John, were you kind of put off by that? I, I could see someone who's not, wasn't ready for that. was probably like, what the hell am I watching with his mouth eating people and stuff like that? It's very, it's kind of pretty disturbing for a kid's movie, which this movie does tend to tread on the darker side sometimes. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. Not as <laughs> creepy as that old lady though. She was a little creepier. Oh. I hate her. Every time she was on screen, I was like, I hate this bitch. But even then, if you look at her that way, she's not necessarily a villain. Like, she is a villain. Yubaba is a villain to some extent. But by the end of the movie, she's kind of like a no factor. Like, Chihiro's just kind of like, I'm not afraid of you anymore. Or, you know, I, you're granny to me now, like your twin sister. Uh, gotta love those Wizard of Oz references. You know, very, very interesting. The good witch and the bad witch. But, you know, again, like I said, by the end of the movie, that, that sense of gray still comes out of all these characters. Uh, another interesting one I saw pop up online, again, doing my research, was uh, the a kind of showing like a youth's introduction to the workforce was a big theme into this movie, uh, which I don't know if we ever would have gotten in a Western film, but of course in Japanese culture where it very is much so that you, as soon as you're out of school or if you're not doing a trade, you jump right into workforce and you start working for the rest of your life. Uh, it's kind of relatable, I think in a lot of ways. And John, what did you think of that? Was that like a theme that you were expecting? Cause I was kind of surprised by that one going back and watching this movie. It is very relatable that way. You have to just, you have to go to your job and just start working. Yeah, it's very relatable. I feel like I wasn't so surprised, but it's like a little bit of a shock. Yeah, it's different. I, I would say for sure. It's definitely very different. Uh, the last one, and then I promise we'll talk, we can talk forever about themes with this movie, but uh, the biggest one I think really is the power of names is such a, is such a cultural uh, idea with Japan. I think uniquely and I like how it is expressed in this movie. I think it is very interesting, especially with Chihiro, who has to sign her name over to Yubaba in order to work at the bathhouse. And then she gives her a new name, Sin. And there's a very interesting scene where I think she it's like very right away. She starts talking to Haku and she calls herself Sin. And I was like, oh, you're ready. Like, you're not that you just got this name. And then and then they kind of go back after and she says, oh, yeah, my, my oh, yeah, my, that, that's my name. My name's Chihiro. And I, I like that. I like how they kind of bring up the fact that your name gives you the power of who you are. It, it is your identity. Your name is that. And in J Japanese culture, that is very common. Things like simply like a river have a name and that, that means something culturally to them. And I think that's very interesting that they kind of went that way with this movie. Again, a uniquely Japanese idea, but it does work itself very well into this movie, which... Again, I you know I could sit here and just shout the praises of Spirited Away. I think it is a fantastic film, and I think we're at that point where we should give our final scores. I'm gonna give Spirited Away a nine point eight out of ten. Master Haku, where have you been? <laughs> what? A human? Let's go. This movie is so close to a 10 for me. I, I do love this movie. You have no idea how torn I was. We were talking even before we were going to this review what I was going to give this movie. I, 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 was, I was on edge even up until now at this point. But there's just a few things I think that just kind of derail it for me from being perfect. I think the Haku reveal is a little 
a little bit of a letdown for me and it does kind of affect my overall like view of this movie to some extent especially with the fact that the the plot just feels very you know by their boots she's telling the story but it is a fantastic story if you're looking for something like wizard of oz meets alice in wonderland with the japanese culture i i think this is it for you there's, there's a lot of amazing animation the story has a lot of amazing themes if you, if you choose to look for them if you don't i think you'll still get enjoyment out of this movie because it just is a visually breathtaking movie with very interesting characters uh spirited away is a classic um you know if it wasn't for this movie I, again i don't know where we would be with anime culture at this point is it a perfect movie no but it's damn near close for me adam how about you where do you stand with this one i am going to give spirited away 9.7 out of 10 what did you do with my baby it's a good movie. I really enjoyed this one too. Um, and I, I, it definitely reminds me of my introductions into, I guess, the anime world. Mm -hmm. uh, but after rewatching it, I definitely see that there's a little bit more, I guess, maybe too much confusion, um, especially for being a kid's movie. But I mean, once you start just just watching the movie and just enjoying it, yeah, I, I, it, it definitely deserves a 9.7 at least. Right. It's, it's a great it's a great film. And, you know, we can argue maybe the accessibility and having the knowledge of Japanese culture and even to the Japanese fan, you know, maybe it's a little easier for them to interview, you know, to connect with. But I think everyone will find something to connect with, whether it's a character or a theme or whatever it is, any age. I think there is something there for them. Uh, again, I think it's I agree with you. It's a very great movie. John, how about you? What do you think? I give this movie an overall grade. It is, Tim. Sam? Sam, what did you do to me? It's an enjoyable movie. It's interesting. It's unique, I feel like. And it definitely is a good movie to start off with into learning about or getting to want to learn more about the Japanese culture through these films. Right. No, I, I'd agree with you. And what do you think as far as best picture material? Do you think it earned its spot as a best picture uh, winner at that point? Yeah, I feel like it definitely could have. I feel like if not the best picture, it was definitely up close and definitely deserved it. Yeah. And, and it's interesting fact to note, too, that this was the highest grossing Japanese box office film of all time up until 2020 when the Demon Slayer movie came out. So uh, 2001 to 2020 was uh, spirited away. So I'm just going to throw that out there. That, that's pretty nuts when you really think about it. Uh, Julie, how about you? What do you think on this one? I'm going to give spirited away a 9.8 out of 10. Will we meet again sometime? Sure, we will. Promise? Promise. Now go and don't look back. really even just the imagery alone is so iconic when you see Chihiro and no face next to each other like on the train or even Haku like that instantly just brings you right back to the movie and like you said most people who may not have even seen it can recognize those images um the theming and the story is excellent I love the whole Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz vibes I love Chihiro's journey as a character. I know Kevin, um, when we were watching, he's like, oh, she's so whiny and annoying. I'm like, yeah, but you know, she gets it together pretty quick and she does what she has to do. So 
I really had a great time with this movie. I think, like Kevin said, that Haku reveal could have been handled a little bit more eloquently. Um, and, you know, there's some little nitpicks here and there. But overall, I really did enjoy this movie. And at the end of the day, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And it's interesting also to point out that this was around the first time that Miyazaki wanted to retire from film. Uh, after he made, well, it's, it's an ongoing joke, I think, in the community at this point. But after Princess Mononoke, he said he retired. And then apparently he met a 10-year-old girl within his family. And that inspired him to come out and make this movie. And again, that's something I just really love about Miyazaki. He looks to his life events, something that happens in his life. And he goes, you know, I've got to make a movie about that. I have to, I have to talk about that. And I, I think that's just really interesting to see, you know, I don't think the man will ever retire, but for someone who is able to draw so much on life and bring out these amazing films, uh, they're always really special when they come around. Cause again, it's just one man's imagination and you know, it's, it's phenomenal guys. If you haven't seen it, please check out spirit away. Uh, for those interested, it is available currently streaming on HBO max with the studio Ghibli collection also available on DVD and Blu-ray. But again, thank you all guys all so much for joining us for this episode of the real review. Real anime will continue on. My name's Kevin. That's John, Adam, Julie. We are the real movie guys, real guys, real movies, real thoughts. We'll catch you next time. If you guys like what you've seen here today, consider giving this video a like and leaving your thoughts in the comments below. If you want to stay up to date with everything Real Movie Guys related, make sure to hit that subscribe button and check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget all you audio listeners at home, we are available on many podcasting platforms. Just search The Real Movie Guys, you should pop right up. Thank you again all so much for joining us on this episode of The Real Review. We are The Real Movie Guys. Real guys, real movies, real thoughts. Catch you next time.